welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. Hello, hello, dear listener. On today's episode, we have artist Max Hill. Join us for a conversation all about relationship customization within the practice of relationship anarchy. Together, we talk about queering it up, the importance of finding love and belonging in community, and the discomfort of growth. I mean, there is so, so, so much more packed inside this episode than those three things, but I always try to give y'all some like three overview pieces of the conversation. First, I just want to say a huge thank you to Max for their vulnerability throughout this episode, opening up about various relationships, moments of difficulty, and growth that they have gone through. And I think one of the important things to remember in that is that you're not alone. If you're resonating with what Max is saying, it's because it's a part of the human experience and you are not alone in that, okay? I will continue to be here each week having conversations about these pieces because what I do see in my work and in my conversations with people is the amount of people that are feeling so isolated in these difficult emotions and in these difficult pieces of, like I said, the discomfort of growth, right? So I'll continue to keep showing up in the space with you, dear listener, and I'm happy that you're here. And we also talked about the difficulty of having identities that exist outside of the status quo. That can mean a lot of different things for different people. I think for me as a queer, kinky, non-monogamous person, my ways in which I form family, my ways in which I form intimacy are not necessarily always accepted or understood by others, right? And that really hurts. There have been times where I have tried to open up about certain aspects of myself and I will receive judgment or this assumption that my things are coming from trauma, even my queer identity, that that's somehow coming from trauma. (laughs) Woo, you know, like, and in those moments, it's hard to not be affected by that. We are social creatures, we are social beings, and when we look to another person and we naturally want to feel connection, want to feel acceptance, want to feel loved, and there are parts of ourselves that are not understood and so they scare people or there are negative narratives around them, then yeah, that really hurts. And so when we think about these various identities which are not accepted by the mainstream, we might experience sadness and depression as you try to navigate existing in your authenticity. And a metaphor that I have been working with is this idea of the wilted plant, right? When that plant starts to wilt, we don't come in and say, here is wilted plant disease. No, we take a moment to look at the soil, to look at how much the plant has been watered. Maybe it's not the plant at all. Maybe it's actually this environment that doesn't have space for anyone who doesn't fit inside a cis, heterosexual, monogamous, vanilla, non-disabled you know, identity. We can throw a million of those off the board, right? Whenever you are trying to step outside of that status quo, you might feel that wilting, right? That wilting of the soil being not safe, 
for your beautiful, authentic self. And I think at least where I'm at with this processing, that's where it gets really crucial of which parts are safe to bring out in a space, right? We might go into some environments where it is quite literally not safe to bring our full authentic self into that space. And boy, does that break my heart. And I will continue to have these conversations and actively try to create through all of my work a better world where there is more space for all of us to be in our authentic expression. But the reality is that is not the world we live in. So I don't want to paint this pretty picture of, you know, all these various identities being easy to navigate and just thriving in this world because that's not the reality. The reality is we have to be able to survive in these spaces and the way that you do that is through deciding which parts you want to bring out into space and which parts maybe you want to hold back. And that's not in a victim-y way, that's in our own power. We have the ability to keep ourselves safe and decide maybe I'm not going to talk about my kink identity here because it's not a safe space. Or maybe I won't talk about my queer identity here because it's not a safe space. But the reality is we're choosing that. So the power belongs to us in that moment. And that's something that we can hold on to. And I think another big thing that Max and I talked about and I continue to feel as I navigate these various identities is that community is so so crucial because you do find those people who understand, who get it, who have the same values, who understand the world how you do. And in those relationships, that's where we can be our full self. That's where we can show all the colors and we can be in relationship with people. So I just want to say that if you're having a hard time navigating these identities and feeling like maybe you're the only one doing this, and you feel safe in this community, in this podcast that we have created together, but then go back out into the world and feel like you're the only one doing it, I'm with you. You're not alone. Many of the guests on the show are with you in solidarity. You are not alone in that. And I'm even starting to do my research on relationship anarchy, and I think that's another thing that has really been coming out is this sense of like, wow, I've thought about these things so much so now that I feel like I see the world in such a different way that many people don't understand. And so the beauty of community in that, when you can find people who understand and see the things that maybe you've deconstructed and thought about and being able to have those conversations with people, that is its own form of healing. That is its own form of community being medicine. And so... I just want to say that I'll continue to be in this space with you, dear listener, and we're going to continue to keep growing together and expanding in this process. And hey, I mean, things are changing. You know, I'm on Hinge and I see that there's at least a label now for monogamous or non-monogamous. That is radical. That is going to change cultural consciousness. Even just that question, oh, now I need to wonder, am I monogamous or non-monogamous? I am so happy that we are getting more informed consent about the various relationships that we can construct in this lifetime to build community, to build intimacy, to build family, all of those pieces, kind of like we talk in this episode. You're in a big Lego box and you get to decide how you want to build it. You don't have to follow the manual of what has been given because maybe that manual doesn't work for you and the life that you want to live. So... 
I am excited to share this episode with you today and an announcement that your girl has her master's in clinical psychology. It is official. I've done all the coursework to get that and had it conferred to me very recently. It is officially Nicole with a master's degree in clinical psychology. It's so exciting and um, I'm just so happy to be in this space and to share all this magic with you. Next stop, y'all, is going to be Dr. Nicole in two years' time, so stay with me. We're going to keep going on this journey. All right, I hope that you certainly learn something new and feel community here in this space, in this podcast, through this conversation with Max. All right, tune in. Hello, dear listener. Before we hear a word from today's sponsor, I wanted to invite you to contribute to the first study on relationship anarchy. If you are a relationship anarchist, I would love to hear your perspective on a couple of short questions that I have linked below in the show notes. My doctoral dissertation was the first study on relationship anarchy, and I'm continuing this research through the survey below. And there's also the option, if you would like, to join me on the podcast to explore a live conversation that will be shared with all of the Modern Anarchy community. Completely optional, whether you do just the survey or looking to join me on the show, please click that link below, share it with all of your relationship anarchist friends, and I look forward to sharing the results from this research study with you sometime in the future. I'm sending you all my love. And now a word from today's sponsor. Well, then the first question I do like to ask is, how would you introduce yourself? Oh, wow. That feels like such a big (laughs) and bigger question than just like asking me to introduce myself. Like, how would I? So my name is Max. The Relationship Anarchy and Polyamory community knows me as Max Hill, that one that that does the smorgasbord. Uh, The best ways to refer to me are Max and they and them or he, him is also fine. I'm an artist educator, really first and foremost, and an illustrator. You know, my, my art goes to work, I guess. Is, but then I'm also, you know, here I am sitting weaving baskets. So mm-hmm. I don't actually have that like hierarchy in my head, or I do as much as I can to kind of dismantle the hierarchy that in my head that I've inherited of certain arts are better than others. But uh, yeah, that's the core of what I do. and and how people know me I drink I'm sitting here drinking tea um (laughs) I'm queer that's you know a great little Uh little ditty I guess you know when back there was a workplace that I used to work at don't Uh recommend it I officially can't say who it was Mm. but um you know one of the people that I was working with was like you know giving me a lot of pushback (laughs) about using gender neutral language to refer to me uh, using the right pronouns and she's like well what should I call you and I'm like you can call me a queer and she's like you know 70 year old activist she just the look on her face like what I'm like that's what I'm comfortable with you calling me <laughs> that is a fine word for me I'm telling you to call me this yeah and like she was just so astonished refused of course really? um but I know <laughs> that for for many folks queer is a is a word that has a lot of baggage to them but I like to make people uncomfortable with the things that they have accepted as truth. Yes. Yes. Well, then tell me, yeah, what does queer mean to you? 
Hitting you with the easy questions. Let's just start with the easy ones. <laughs> I mean, I, I really love the phrase, not gays and happy, but queers and fuck you or fuck the system or fuck the police or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Uh, we had a conference here a number of years ago now that Kate Bornstein spoke at. Kate Bornstein wrote, I think wrote the book Gender Outlaw, um, has been like an out trans person for a very long time and has written a lot about it. And she kind of explained that like gender queer was the term that was around for those folks who really didn't fit into the binary or didn't want to fit into the binary. And then like more recently, non-binary is has been the term. And um, I'm friends with a person who I who they think they actually coined the term like they have the essay that they wrote like ages ago where they like coined the term. Kate talked about how non-binary is a little bit more presentable. Mm -hmm. It's not as confrontational, whereas genderqueer is intentionally confrontational. Mm -hmm. And so for me, queerness ha is like integral to questioning so much and making that system that has made us uncomfortable, making it uncomfortable in turn. Yeah. Taking that power back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I'm conscious of that, the fact that you mentioned earlier that you grew up in a rural environment mm -hmm. was coming into your queer identity accepted in that space. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Dumb question, Nicole, but I got to ask. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. So my nesting partner is um, like grew up where, you know, in the town that we live in now, which is, you know, a, a blue area in a red county minus New York City, a red state. Really, let's be honest here. My nesting partner, even though he's younger than me, he's my trans elder because he knew about trans people. He came out as trans. He had access to resources, even knew to look online to find them, to find the language, had community, had a local queer center run by a local nonprofit. There was so many levels of access that he had. And he's like grew up literally 30 miles away from me. Mm. I didn't have language for these things and just thought I was a weirdo. Mm -hmm. so and didn't and then and like my school wasn't the smallest school in the county yeah you know we had maybe like 350 people per grade instead of 100 like one of the nearby school districts but huh? it's still like there just wasn't information and I wasn't really online um when I was in high school struggling with a lot of mental health stuff and being on the computer was not helping that sure um sure. so even just figuring out that I was queer in any sense of the word, let alone trans, was like mm. a whole arduous process. Like, yeah. and then accepting that and then like, okay, there was a group of us weirdos who we could sort of accept that, accept like queerness in each other to some degree. And that was cool. But like, you know, not having access to people really to see myself reflected mm. in any way. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I really had access to other trans people was when I was in college. One of my first friends in college, we both had very different ways of getting there. But like, you know, they knew they were trans. I was in a lot of classes with them and like 
every semester having to correct, okay, the legal name that the teachers have is not mm. the name. Like, mm. please refer to me in these ways. Like, I, so I went through that with like in so many classes with this class, with this friend of mine, mm -hmm. you know, and seeing that and like feeling a resonance there, but not understanding how to talk about it or how, how to wrap my brain around it. So yeah, there's, there's challenging, I guess, is like a simple way of putting it. It was just, yeah. 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 I was conscious too. Of, you said, I thought I was a weirdo. Oh, oh I mean, what a place to be in. <laughs> I mean, I still really embrace the weirdo because there was a group of us, but like, I felt like I was even a weirdo amongst the weirdos. Mm. So yeah. that isolation yeah. in that. Oh yeah. Lack of belonging. Oh yeah. Thanks, mm. Topopa. I don't know if you know Tokopa Turner. Um, tell me. Yeah. Tokopa is, I don't know what title she would use, but she talks about belonging a lot. She's got a book, I think, called Belonging. Um, the cover art is by uh, Molly Costello, who is another really amazing, was just an amazing artist. But Tokopa, yeah, really talks, was like the one of the first people that I saw who talked like publicly about shitty moms really fuck you up. Oh, do you have a story there? <laughs> oh my God. I haven't processed, I haven't processed it well yet enough yeah. to, for, to, for me to be able to talk about it from, you know, the healing instead of the wound, but yeah. Sure. Oh, I share that. Shitty, mom, shitty moms will fuck you up. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, and she talks a lot about belonging mm -hmm. and the importance of belonging. But yeah, what does that word belonging mean to you? It's starting in some ways to not feel this way but my first sort of instinct is oh it's that thing that other people have that I don't get to have oh Max so mm. yeah say more Oof. again I'm not sure how much I can say about it without kind of like you know I'm, I'm in therapy <laughs> um for, yeah like to work on this but it's just you know being constantly feeling like an outsider even amongst the outsiders mm -hmm. um you know and and a big part of that was not really having permission to really find myself yeah, and find community that saw me for me instead of who they thought I should be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've spent a lot of my time trying to find, you know, the other weirdos. And sometimes I've succeeded and, you know, sometimes that hasn't gone so well. Right. Of course. So it's being seen, being loved, being appreciated mm -hmm. for literally who you are, being valued and really cherished within some level of community so that could be you know one person yes I can get some of that belonging from you know one-on-one -on -one, but it's really like being able to sit back in a you know whole gaggle of people who I am one of many like yeah yes so yeah so I think that's that's belonging mm -hmm. to me and that's also why I appreciate you coming on this space and sharing your story and talking about your experience because I think we both know that you're not the only one who's who's felt this, who's looking for that community in these experiences. Yeah. I do have to remind myself of that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Even if I'm feeling alone in this moment, I'm not alone in that feeling. Mm. As okay. heartbreaking as that is. Mm. So... But it can be so hard when you look around and you don't see the people who share the same identity, let alone are accepting of your identities, right? That's a whole yeah. other 
level to this is it's not just sharing, but also is it safe? Yeah. Yeah. I have felt put up with um, a lot and tolerated instead of cherished. So there's a lot of people who are not in my life anymore who I used to think were very important because I, upon reflection, they were really just tolerating me. And it's not really fair to either of us. If they're just tolerating me, that's not a real relationship. Yeah. Um, You know. That gave me chills. (laughs) Yeah. How did you like navigate that? How did you discover that and then enact the boundaries to create different connections and take space when you found that out? The Minimalist podcast was really helpful while I was um, in the middle of a breakup. As other people have told me, it's really, it's a divorce. You were together for how long? And I had to like move house and everything. Wow. Um, The Minimalist podcast is really helpful Mm -hmm. because they talk a lot about, I mean, I was listening a while ago and they've kind of changed their format to be like a lot shorter and not as deep, you know, Mm -hmm. in each episode. So their old catalog is really good. They talked about like, you know, being selective about the kind of people you have in your life and about and different experiences. You know, there's a lot of different like rules and stuff that people will follow. But like, you know, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Mm. And like realizing, oh, if I'm not somebody's hell yes, then that's a no for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sick and tired of being tolerated. Yeah. This is a whole different level, like level and topic of conversation than I thought we would get. Does it feel good? Does it feel good? Are you okay with that? It feels very fascinating and interesting. And like, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like when someone who's, I'm normally the one in your shoes ah, asking, asking the questions. Um, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, but good, but fine. It's just okay, very, good. very different than where I thought we would. Have For sure. Checking <laughs> in with that consent. And if, and if at any point it feels like too much, you can also let me know and we can push in a different direction too. And yeah. But yeah, I hear you on that, that power change. It's the same thing for me when I go into, a, you know, a different role, uh, being the client in therapy or being the student in yoga for me is always so uncomfortable because I'm like, I'm so used to being on the <laughs> other side now. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I hear you on that. And I think it's interesting in terms of my like theoretical lens in terms of psychology is, you know, understanding how all of these relationships are affecting our concept of self, right? You know, oh, yeah. when you're being tolerated and, and you look in the mirror and that's how someone's receiving you, it's impossible for that when you look into the mirror to not have that affect your sense of self. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like an integral level and I'm, I'm working on this all the time. You know, I really hate and love at the same time. The phrase like, as RuPaul says, I'm going to misquote it. I can't okay. remember it. But, um, you know, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. Mm-hmm. And like, I've had pushback from that from some folks. If you can't love yourself, how's anybody supposed to love you? How they're often used is very judgy. And so like, and very like, well, you got to learn to love yourself. And it's like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to learn to love myself if I've never actually felt love? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How am I supposed to figure that out? Yeah. And like, how am I supposed to really know what feels like love to me if I've never felt that? Yeah. How am I supposed to like figure out how to treat myself that way? Right. Right. You know? And so it's been helpful because also there were situations and there were relationships where people were doing things that 
would have felt like love if I had thought I could deserve it. Mm. But I didn't think I deserved it. So I didn't let it in. I didn't mm. feel it. Mm. Yeah. So then I couldn't appreciate the love that I was getting. Ooh. So it's complicated, right? Yeah. Yes. Or if you've been in an experience where maybe you've experienced some sort of trauma or neglect in early relationships, uh, whether that be in your family, romantic, any sort of relationships, right? Sometimes you can have a standard or a sense of what love is that maybe is abuse, you know, and you just, mm -hmm. you know, you just don't know because that's what was modeled for you. Yep. That's the scary thing too, right? Is that sometimes even that gut sense of like, yeah, this is love could actually be not. Yeah. Not even yeah. close to what you deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Learning what boundaries are even, like that that's even a thing. Yeah. Learning that I can have them. Learning that it's my responsibility to, you know, take care of myself in them. Mm -hmm. um, learning that I have to trust other people to take care of themselves yeah. so that I'm not taking on extra stuff that I haven't actually consented to. There's so much work to it. There can be, you know, a challenge of feeling like the person that's doing the work in a sea of people who aren't. Mm. Um, mm. Some resent there. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 In our larger culture at large. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And even that quote of self-love, I always want to push back, you know, like, this idea of the self is a very Western concept that not all cultures have. And in my perspective, I think there is a self that experiences time, you know, whatever time is through some sort <laughs> of, you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, I got to talk to a, a physicist one day. But like this sort of, you know, soul that experiences time and goes through all these events and other sorts of things. But our concept of self is so drastically shaped by all the relationships that we have and when I say relationships I don't mean just like the direct you know people even the larger society when society yeah. doesn't accept you mm -hmm. that's a relationship that's going to affect your sense of self when you don't feel safe to go into Texas that's going mm -hmm. to affect your sense of self right because mm -hmm. it's a sort of relationship where you are not accepted for all of who you are and that's going to affect that ability to have self-love. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling like that the world. Yeah. Oh, you said that so well. I don't even want to try and paraphrase that. Like that's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been trying to sort of internalize that lesson recently and see like how that has affected me because mm -hmm. it's, it's much easier to look at like the specific relationships. Right. You know, and it's much harder to kind of see the systemic things. Mm -hmm. um, but my brain kind of works, you know, in both directions at the same time, kind of globally and then also very specifically. This is actually like a really good segue into the smorgasbord. Tell me, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. There's a part of me that wants to like tell the story about where my work with the smorgasbord started. Please do. Please do. Share um, the story. I found relationship anarchy before I knew that there were people actually practicing anarchy who were like anarchists. Like I, I didn't know that, that was like a thing that people were still doing. And so I found relationship anarchy. You know, I was listening to more than two, which are you familiar with, you know, all the 
terrible things that Franklin Vaux got up to. I've heard some of it. Yes. Yes. Which makes okay. me sad because I really enjoyed the book. So it's definitely like learning about it and reading what Eve and some of the other um, folks have said. It's definitely made me look at the book differently. Really? Someone, someone is borrowing my, my copy right now, so I don't even have it um, <laughs> to really actually look back on. However, the parts that really spoke to me are the parts that Eve wrote. Mm. So that feels good. That was, I think, one of the first times I really heard or read the term relationship anarchy. Right. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I think either in, you know, one of the Facebook groups that I was a part of, someone shared the image of the smorgasbord. And I was like, wow, this is really freaking great. And it's just a really great way of talking about, you know, the, the concept of being able to customize your relationships. Yeah. And absolutely. that, you know, not everything has to be cookie cutter and you can really make it work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Which was really great. But that was the original version, which was like made, you know, it's like a grid. And I actually used that as a tool for discussion in a relationship. I sent it to this friend of mine that we were, you know, interested in exploring more than friendship. But also, you know, our friendship was very important. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we wanted to take steps in a way that we could both know that we could change that step back alter etc at any point you know it was like so we like very intentionally negotiated how we were gonna you know explore mm -hmm. and we use this morris board as a part of that so like using the red light green system the red yellow green light system to color code different sections of the morris board like what's on the table what's not on the table what's maybe on the table and that went really well and it was like a really good tool that we like filled out ahead of time sent to each other and then like sat down and like mm. had a chat yeah. You know, in like a neutral location and like could just figure it out. And it was like really great. Right. And then I realized I was like, wait, there's nothing on here about spirituality. Oh. And like, I am a pagan. I have been, you know, practicing various aspects of that for a very long time. It's a it's an important part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, integral to my everyday life. And if it's something that I can't really talk about with somebody because either my specific, you know, way of doing spirituality, you know, makes them uncomfortable or it's just not something they have any interest in, mm -hmm. you know, then I note that mm. it's an important factor, you know, mm -hmm. like in my own brain about how I interact with people. So I updated the smorgasbord so version two the first one i worked on i was like yeah. oh i'm a graphic designer i can make these little actually look like platters oh, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. like i'll make this look like a big old table and then yes. i'll add spirituality in that and so like the version two was was the relationship anarchy smorgasbord for the spiritually minded Ooh, yes whatever and i think I'd, i didn't add a whole lot of things maybe i added just a couple things and then i just put it out there oh i got swamped with feedback almost instantaneously i had so many comments and like i sh i put it out there on, on the the couple of facebook groups i was in at the time and they were and they were really like happening places at the time so like yeah. there was a lot of feedback that i got and i like almost immediately made version three so the mm -hmm. second version it very quickly showed me how 
one, like I can't do this alone. Two, it reinforced to me the values that I have and continue to have and had was really starting to live at the time of working together. Mm -hmm. That was like really the height of feeling like I was able to start applying my values of like community and mutuality. And like, I felt like, and I continue to feel like I am doing work for an enormous community of people. Like the, the version six of the smorgasbord is in four languages right now. I think there's a mm-hmm. Dutch process, maybe a Hebrew one. Over the years, I've had people reach out and be like, hey, can I translate this? I'm like, yes, sure, here. And I think, and you reached out to me asking for um, permission to use it for your dissertation. I was like, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you started to create this, you know, the version two and the other versions. And so many people reached out to give feedback, to want to add to it, to want to translate to it. I think Sometimes, I don't know about you, but when you're living in this value system, it can feel like no one else is doing this. No one else is out in the world trying to live in the same way. And so I'm sure getting all of that feedback, having people across the world reaching out to want to translate it, that's so validating, you know, when you feel alone in this. Yeah. I think luckily around that time, like living in a collective, you kind of end up realizing most of the people that you live with are also non-monogamous to sort of, you know, those kind those kind of folks kind of collect in collective living situations. Yeah. 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 Um, And I had connected with a poly friendly game night group. And like, I commandeered some of those folks into a relationship anarchy discussion group in the fall before the pandemic. And it was just, yeah, it was a really neat time of being able to feel really deeply in community and the mm-hmm. s'mores board has allowed me to continue to feel like you know a part of community even when i've like you know been feeling yeah. very isolated yeah it's been really great and you know i've appreciated a lot of people's patience so i'm like hey i'm working on a new version a year and a half later <laughs> i finished it guys yes yes taking your own time with it absolutely I'm curious if you'd be willing, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to be tuning into this conversation that have never heard the relationship smorgasbord. If you were to provide a, you know, overview, a description of what that is, how would you describe it? So imagine if you will, we're doing a visual metaphor here. Yeah. So imagine if you will, all the aspects of any way of being in a relationship are laid out as food on platters on a table and you and another person because you know every relationship in your life can be customized you too can go to that table and you can go oh you know i would really like this i'm trying to like really lean into the metaphor here um (laughs) I'd really like this fluid bonding quiche over here. How, what do you feel about that? And the person would be like, you know what? Actually, that's not really what I'm into, but I am into this other thing. And so the smorgasbord can be a tool for self-reflection, you know, upon like, you can just do it by yourself and say, hey, what are the things that I want in any relationship? What are the things I need in any romantic relationship, sexual relationship, friendship. What are the things that I want? What are the things that I am 0% interested in? 
What are things I'm open to, but not really pursuing in any way? You can use these as a tool for self-reflection. Use them as a tool for discussion with another person. It's a way of making a little bit more tangible one of the, you know, aspects of relationship anarchy, which is relationship customization. I think it's one of the more fun aspects of relationship Mm -hmm. anarchy. And it's also the one that like, is I think in many ways, one of the easier ones to talk about with folks who are not already familiar with anarchy as like a political mindset and, you know, praxis. Relationship anarchy is in many ways still very different from polyamory, though it's one of the parts that's been appropriate means something different nowadays, I think, for a lot of people, rightfully so. But I think it's the part that's most easily taken on by other people Mm -hmm. and that I think a lot more people practice relationship customization than realize they are. And I think it's, you know, if you're going to try to convert people to relationship anarchy, which I don't necessarily think (laughs) is a great idea to try to convert people. But if just existing as you are interest people, I think the customization part is like, you know, the the shiny little glittering treat that's like, oh, oh, you mean my relationships don't have to look like this? Mm-hmm. Like, no, actually, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. That was my question I wanted to ask of, you know, these are almost leading questions because I'm totally with you, I but I want to ask like, <laughs> well, Max, why would I want to customize my relationship? It's so clear, you know? friend lover it's easy (laughs) what if you're horny for your friend (laughs) is a great question you know like or what if you're more most stable relationships are your friendships yeah and And the kind of people that you end up you know wanting to bone are not people you want to raise children with but raising children is a thing you want to do right right like so you end up changing what is this societal script for what a friend is mm-hmm. to include things like childbearing which yeah. is normally done with someone under the like sexual partner category and so yeah I think there's a lot to be said for taking these societal scripts for what different kinds of relationships can and should be and dissecting them and deconstructing them and ta- and you know laying down all of the lego pieces all over the you know basement floor and, you know, deciding how you want to put them back together mm-hmm. instead of the way that, you know, the Lego book tells you how to put things together. Right. No offense to those who love to follow, you know, the directions on the Lego booklet. <laughs> and I think it's important to recognize when the Lego booklet, the people in that seem not everybody, but some people seem to really dislike mm-hmm. the finished product of the Lego booklet and then say, why, why is this not satisfying? Why am I upset with this final product? And I say, well, maybe there's another way to exist that hasn't been talked about that you didn't get the informed consent of, which was, hey, there are multiple ways to do this. Here's another one. You're going to make the informed consent now that you know all of these. Like, I think there is a part of this is that like we just haven't been offered any other way of existing to be quote unquote normal, whatever that means. You know what I mean? So then I don't know if people have been given informed consent in terms of like, how to exist in this world in terms of relationships when there's only been one model, you know, when the Lego instruction manual says this and this is the way you do it. I just want to create a world where people know there's 
other ways to do it and you get to choose how that feels good for you. You get to construct your own playground in that and it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. It's not easy. No. Like, I mean, <laughs> but I think the thing that is one of the hardest for other people who try to do this, mm-hmm. try to customize their relationships or are trying to, you know, be in a relationship with someone who, you know, who's a relationship anarchist, you know, I think the hardest part is those aspects of being in a relationship that people are used to ascribing to hierarchy, mm-hmm. right? Like, and expecting as a form of, you know, what I understand to be hierarchy, but they see as security, mm. right? So, for example, I was dating somebody and She'd said some not great things. I was decompressing from it. I told her I needed some time, mm-hmm. you know, and she was about to like go on a trip into a different country and be kind of out of contact for a little over a week. She wanted to talk to me and I was like, I'm still decompressing mm-hmm. from that. But also like I had a friend who was suicidal mm. and I was like supporting that friend. Yeah. And so, no, sorry, I'm not going to talk to you on the phone right now. One, I'm not in a good place for it. Two, I have a different priority right now. Right. You know, when I told her that, she was like, what could be more important than talking to me? And I'm like, the listeners can't hear this, but you and I are making shocked faces at each other with eyes really big. And like, dude, like, I didn't even bother to tell her. Mm. Because the fact that she, it was unfathomable Mm. that anything else could be more important in my life. Right. It's like, that was like, that was like, time's up. This is not working because such a different value system Mm -hmm. that like this romantic relationship is not more important than the other relationships in my life. Right, right, right. And we can maybe hear where she's coming from of wanting to be loved, wanting to have that security, wanting to know that she's important in your world. And, 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 and there are other humans in your life, right? Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't understand. I mean, I guess this is because we're in the same value system, right? Of relationship anarchy, but it's like, how do you not see that this is another human soul? I understand we might be not engaging in the same aspects of the smorgasbord or other forms of intimacy, but this is another human soul that I have a relationship with. Of course that's important. When they're in need, of course that is more important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I, like, I didn't even know how to, like, like, yes, there are things that are more important than you right now. Sorry. Like, sorry, not sorry. It's true. Like, I'm allowed to value things. Yeah. Like, yes. I'm, I'm allowed to find other people more important in a given moment. One of the things that's been, you know, kind of hard for me to like accept about myself is that like when I'm present with somebody, I'm very present with them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that expresses itself by me not being able to split my focus mm-hmm. and think about, you know, other things or other people when I'm being present with somebody and you know my nesting partner was just talking about this with me the other day that like they knew this about me 
understood this about me when we started hanging out together. And like, yeah, because like, yes, it feels really good when that 100% of focus is on you. And I was like, but then also it can feel kind of not as great when that focus is on somebody else. But that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not a failure on my part. It's not a lack of character on my part. Mm-hmm. And so I've been like, you know, there's there's responsibility that I have to still have. I can't like, you know, blank slate myself as soon as I'm hanging out with somebody. Right. You know, I've also been taught that like that is irresponsible that's that's you know inconsiderate I don't know how I'm supposed to like not be present with the people I'm being present with and that's a gift right to be present with the person that you're with that's one of the best things that we can give another human you know is to be intentional about the time that we're spending with them and to sit with them and be really there rather than a million other places yeah I think also what a lot, a lot of what I'm hearing too for the, the people who practice monogamy or any other sort of relating is that this comes into all sorts of relationships. It might be with your family, other sorts of people that at times might become more important and that's kind of accepted or other sorts of relationships like relationships to your craft, relationships to your mm-hmm. career, relationships to your hobby. There's so many different types of relationships we have, and we're always fluctuating with what is, you know, the focus, what is the priority, and that kind of comes into your value system of how do you want to create your life and what do you want to have your focus on and how do you want to distribute that energy? And we all get to choose, you know, how we want to go about this journey of creating a life in this existential void, you know? (laughs) I love that you said a relationship to like your craft. I was like, oh man. Yeah. Geez, I I had never thought of it that way, but Mm -hmm. that is so true. And the reality is like for me, you know, my craft is this podcast and other sorts of Mm -hmm. things like doing this podcast takes away from my limited resources of time Mm -hmm. and energy. Okay. Yeah. It is going to. And that's just reality. And we are all working within that reality of like, where do you want to invest your time and energy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I started recording a podcast in, in the spring of 2019 mm-hmm. and never released it because I kept having to like rethink how I was going to do it. And then the pandemic happened and I just have not had mental time or energy yeah. or space for it. Because, you know, so many things, um, you know, starting a business that is doing well, which is nice. Hell yeah. Congrats. Um, partner and I purchased the Gardening by the Moon calendar from the founder and originator, Karen Catterall. A little over a year ago, she sent an email out to her customers like, hey, I want to retire because I want to buy my business. Mm. Here are the skills you need to have. And Toby was like, hey. Hey, Max, it's your resume. <laughs> like, this is oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, because I, and I love making calendars. Um, I've been making calendars for a long time. So it's been really, really great to apply it. And also mm-hmm. we're, we're both, um, you know, immunocompromised disabled people who used to teach but can't teach in schools because of the pandemic, you know, and are trying to navigate the world as trans people you know, trying not to be, um, you know, misgendered 
in our workplaces and harassed in our workplaces mm. um which you know seems like it's a low bar but really isn't Oof, yeah kind of like we were saying earlier like that's going to take up your time and space yes. and it will affect the other relationships that you have with humans you know this is a relationship to a meaningful project and it will change your availability for human relationships you know for good bad otherwise we don't even have to make that judgment it just does because time and energy is limited yeah and it it also has affected like the relationship that toby and i have because Mm, like you know so much of our time and energy that we spend together is towards the business right? right I, I have no idea when I'm ever going to release my podcast. Um, <laughs> like, it just keeps pushing that farther yeah. down the line. Yeah. Um, it's allowed us to do so many more and new and different things. Absolutely. A new so, thing to connect over, a new thing to talk about, a new thing to dream about, you know? Yeah. There is more to do in relationships than to just have children together as a mean of, means of meaning making and importance in this world. You know what I mean? I think that's. So much of the narrative is that that's the one way that you can be in relationship with, you know, a partner and make meaning. And there's so many different ways to do that. I've been trying to really like dismantle my own prejudices against like being in a relationship, anarchist, and then like seeing people I know getting married as somebody <laughs> as somebody who is an officiant, like, and I love the ritual of it. And I like, I love the the significance of it and the way of like customizing the ceremony. I'm a pagan. I love ritual and ceremony. It's great. And yet I also know that for a lot of people that act means so many more things than they are consciously aware of. And so I'm, you know, I've been trying to really kind of dismantle my own prejudices so that I can at least look at it, you know, as clear-eyed as I can. Right. And that's a tough place to be in. I think I also feel a lot of that um, kind of as you start to study these ideas and kind of realize there's a life off the escalator. There's a life of, you know, constructing relationships of your own desires and all that sort of stuff. It's it's hard to see when other people aren't thinking critically about what they're doing. Like, yeah, marriage is great. Marriage is beautiful. The ceremony is beautiful. That idea of building a life together is lovely. All for that. Have you talked about what that looks like? Have you talked about what your fidelity looks like in emotional, sexual, energetic, yada, yada, yada? Like, there's just, yeah, a lot of things that I think people don't really talk about. And I think that's why one of the beautiful things, you know, we were talking about the relationship smorgasbord earlier, yeah. you know, like, sitting down and spending the time to explore what your relationship looks like. And I think even in my own research about relationship anarchy, holding space for the people that do monogamy through a relationship anarchy lens. And that's great. Do it. Get married. Do all this stuff and spend time talking about what you want your relationship to look like. So some of that bias is, I think, almost out of this place maybe of care that like, wow, like there's just so much I, I wish you all were thinking about because it might make your relationship better. Like embrace the marriage, embrace the monogamy, the fidelity, but like talk about it. And I think yeah, maybe, I don't know if you're like, that's kind of where I'm coming from of like, wow, like if 50% of these are going to end up in divorce, like how can we start talking so that's not, you know, what happens? Yeah, yeah. Those and are like, bad odds. Those are bad odds. Okay. They're really <laughs> bad odds. Oh. Yeah. 
I, you know, my parents got divorced, like, and I, that fucking sucked for everybody, Mm -hmm. but them being together was worse. So, you know, like, the divorce isn't the problem. It's the unhealthy relationships that are not good for anybody that last too fucking long, Mm -hmm. you know, and that people feel like they're stuck on those escalators and that there's only one way to do things. Yep. I mean, at some point when you're looking at someone and they're about to embark on something that is a 50% chance and like in that 50% chance is a lot of emotional turmoil and pain. Like at what point is it like, hey, like you're at a cliff, like let's just talk about the cliff in front of you. You know, like that's care at some point. And like, how do you do that in a way that's not patriarchal of, you know, directing in a power over model of what someone should do or trying to educate or like oh. you said earlier, convert like, Mm-hmm. I don't know, Max, how to do that. What I'm doing in a podcast where we talk about these ideas. You can come, everyone, and take them or leave them. But I'm just throwing them out there into the universe, you know, like leaving them, asking questions, creating conversation, you know, and just starting to have talks about this, I, I think will change the world. I know? mean, that's what people keep telling me. Like, yes, there are people who have said, who commented on my post about this Morris board and been like, I don't get this. I hate this. I think this is terrible. Mm. Fine. It's not for you. Yeah. Great. You don't need this. I'm so proud of you. You've already done this work. You don't need this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're already miles ahead on your relationship anarchy path. You don't need this. Great. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. You're already get, you're, you're digging in deeper into mutual aid and the, the other aspects of relationship anarchy that we haven't even really talked about like the manifesto is fucking great everybody should read it um just for a different perspective on being period like on being yeah um for those people for whom it's a harder thing to wrap their heads around the smorgasbord can be one of many tools mm-hmm. you know like to help people to recognize, give them permission. You yeah. know, some people really struggle with feeling like they have permission to to step outside of the box. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people thank me for that. And like, Absolutely. and I'm like, okay, I feel like I am doing the thing, like that I am somehow making the world just a tiny bit better. You know, I don't know how many transphobes like the relationship anarchy smorgasbord. I hope they become less transphobic over time. <laughs> Mm, you know I yeah. don't know yeah. I don't like and I don't know how many people even know that it's a that the version that they've been using is a, made by a trans person right. you know who the fuck knows there's a whole bunch of things coming together and I'm like building this but it's not solely by me of course you know? yeah because you're in community and that's the whole relationship anarchy piece you know is community interdependence and all of that and yeah you're doing amazing work by sharing this tool with the community and being a part of that and yeah the way that you're living your life you know the personal is political in that I mean you're you're doing that work every day by living in the joy that is being you yeah. Hmm. Yeah. thank you yeah yeah you know yeah. How did you find the smorgasbord? I think my journey was like more than two, polyamory, exciting. And then I was like relationship anarchy. And then I read that small little paragraph on relationship anarchy. And I was like, I like this. This is Uh resonating with my soul. Where can I find out more about this? 
which then was like multi-amory google and then i was like okay dissertation boom and then so that's how this all came you know and i think one of the beautiful pieces that i think about this is at least in my own personal lived experience you know i'm i'm such a romantic my god i was raised as a disney princess lover notebook the titanic (laughs) like taylor swift my god okay and so the idea of the one the one the one that fits all of these magical boxes and is going to meet me in some sort of way. Man, has there been such freedom in letting that go and understanding that there are a multitude of relationships that can meet me in such beautiful ways. And there's so much space to create those relationships. And that freedom then to not be searching for the one, but to see the beauty in all of the people I have around me man, that has been expansive and that will change your sense of love. Like I feel more surrounded by love because I'm not looking for the one to fit me when I can see all the different ways that I can be in relationship with other people. I mean, that's profound. And this, I think, is why I'm so passionate about relationship anarchy, whether you do it in a monogamous sense or in any sort of other sexual fidelity practice. You know what I mean? Like it will change how you see your sense of love and connection to other people. Now I'm getting on my soapbox. I love it. That's a great <laughs> soapbox. In my experience, it's true though. Yeah. You know, I was in a relationship for 12 years with somebody that I fell in love with when I was 16. Mm. Mm, wow. There was a lot of things that was just like serendipity and like, like just things that just seemed like they were meant to happen and like yada, yada. Yeah. And it was like fucking great. But there were so many aspects of who I was as a person that I could not be in that relationship mm-hmm. that was like a relationship in which I was tolerated but that I mm-hmm. thought that was the best that I could hope for yeah you know because I was in love with this person and because of how things you know how we got together how we met like it just felt like so much of that you know yeah. romantic Disney princess yeah. stuff you know it yeah. felt very much like one of those you know stories like in the moment, like, wow, this does not, this, there's no way this is really happening. Like, mm. you know, like it felt like this. I'm like, this feels like the plot of a movie. It doesn't even feel like it's allowed to be real. You know, it felt really good at the time. And like, even looking back on it, it there's still like some really precious and magical things about it alongside the fact that like, for who I am, that's not a relationship where I could really grow mm-hmm. into myself. Yeah. yeah. Like. I couldn't actually be who I am now and like Mm -hmm. and yet having been in that relationship like there's so many aspects of that relationship that saved my life Mm, you know and like that like I would not have made it to like to where I am without that relationship right and without that person in my life yeah so there's a there's a lot of you know appreciation while also realizing that when I got broken up with I had to to be able to, you know, survive that breakup, mm-hmm. I had to become a person that could accept how wonderful and magical that was at the beginning while also accepting that it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working for me. wasn't working for that other person, yeah. you know, and that like I needed to be able to build a life that was more in line with my values Mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to really live before yeah, because of that relationship. Mm. Right. Mm. So having had the opportunity to 
rebuild my sense of identity on a few occasions in my life. It's never fun, but I'm not mad about it afterwards. Oh, no. <laughs> growth is so uncomfortable. I'm going to be normalizing that for the rest of my life. Like growth does not feel easy. It feels uncomfortable and agonizing. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 I talk about this with my students all the time. So I teach remotely and I generally teach kids one-on-one. Yeah. And one of the things that I do to help them with their Mm self-advocacy as a teacher and to help me be a better teacher is I explain to them that learning does not happen when things are easy. Yep. It also does not happen when things are painful. Mm. Learning happens when things are uncomfortable to some extent. Yeah. And the amount of uncomfortableness that we can tolerate at a given time is dependent on our entire situation. Absolutely. Sometimes you have a kid who can handle really complex things and like it's because they slept really good. Their breakfast was their favorite breakfast. They had a really mm-hmm. nice lunch. Their friends all like them. Their family, their family life is going really good. Right. And so they can tackle really hard stuff. Right. Yeah. Next day. They can't do it. Why do they have a freaking migraine? Or like they didn't sleep well because they got a new puppy. And though they love their new puppy, it kept them up all night. Because their their like ambient level of discomfort is too high, they can't actually take on as much new stuff or be as challenged in the same way. Like, you know, it only takes a little bit of challenge for them to feel, you know, that higher level of discomfort um, and going into like pain and yeah. frustration. If you haven't grown for a while and you've had a backlog of things that you've been trying to like that have wanted to change, like Mm -hmm. I definitely felt that way before that breakup, like there were things that were building up that needed to change, you know, that I needed to amalgamate, that I needed to understand. When that breakup happened, it was like the floodgates fucking opened Mm -hmm. and I was in fucking agony Mm -hmm. for like months. Do I wish that I had started that work earlier so that it would maybe have been a little bit easier in the process? Yes, I do. Um, but there, there's no way I could have made it joyful and fluffy bunnies. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I want to throw in some anarchy of psychology if you're willing Ooh. to. Yeah. Like that same message of, you know, like the kid who comes in and and can't do well on their test because they didn't, you know, have breakfast that morning because their family couldn't afford to do that or have that space. Like, it's the same thing with psychology, right? Like, you have depression, you have oppositional defiant disorder. Okay, let's look at the environmental context of this person and how they were raised. What sort of resources were provided to them? And like, so much this comes back to that concept earlier we were talking about of like, is there a self? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so much of who we are is quite literally created by the relationships we have to other people, the relationships yep. we have to society, resources, yep. other sorts of things. So starting to even deconstruct that model of psychology that puts the blame on that kid who's not doing well on the math test because their family couldn't afford food that morning. That's not the kid's fault. No. Yeah. Thank fuck people are starting to actually like apply what, you know, yeah, liberation psychology. I've got some interesting like recordings oh, coming oh, up. Uh, yeah, with people who are doing the same thing, trying to deconstruct it. I mean, there's also this reality that like once, you know, we're all aware of the autonomy that we do have to change our systems in that, you know, of 
it's not like we just can completely be like, well, it's the system's fault. So I don't have to do any work here. You know, like it's a yes and statement where like we can also do work where we're at, but also it's not, you know, that person's fault to a degree. It's none of our faults when we grow up in this sort of environment. So it's very yes and. And so I appreciate what you were saying about like in your own story, the context of where you were at at that moment, like was not the time that you could have processed this leaving, you know, and keeping that in mind too. when we're thinking about the people that are engaging, you know, in marriage, that bias, all that sort of stuff that we're talking about, like some of these things, like people don't have, you know, maybe even the privilege of enough space to reflect critically on their relationships and other sorts of things because of the capitalistic environment that we're in, where we're working constantly, where we don't have time to sit down and be like, maybe I want to construct a different world. Like so much of this is also just like the society and the system. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's just really fascinating to also like keep that in the forefront, forefront of how we understand ourselves, how we understand ourselves in relationships and mm -hmm. the bigger society. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's been a mind fuck for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. So how long have you known about relationship anarchy? Like three years now. Okay. So fresh. So it's Old fresh. Baby. Yeah. And I love that you're like three years, you're making a podcast, you're doing your dissertation on it, and you still call yourself a baby. Like, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like there's, you know, I was diving into and talking about non-monogamy 10 years ago. Yeah. And trying to figure this stuff out, like not actually acting on any of it, but really like thinking about it because I like I was in a relationship like and we wanted to try to like be responsible about mm -hmm. it and I you know when I learned about relationship anarchy and I showed the manifesto to my former partner and he, and he and I looked at each other and we're like this is how like we had wanted to build our relationship mm -hmm. like we had gotten together a long ass fucking time ago like literally the year before the manifesto was written Mm, and we were wow. trying to do our best, like, rural weirdo kids in an upstate New York town, like, trying to, like, figure shit out, you know, and, like, do what we could to, like, live what we thought were our values without even knowing the word values, oh. like, yeah. you know, how to put our values into, into words, but we're still trying to put it into practice. Like, you know, I read that manifesto, I was like, holy shit, you know, and it blew my mind. Yeah. Although, like, other people have been trying to put words to this, right? Yeah. Not having a community around it and then finding community. Mm. Finding people, like, who wanted to talk about this, who wanted to dig in deeper, who, who wanted to, like, keep questioning. Yeah. And realizing, you know, the relationship I was in was there was no space for that. Mm. Mm. You know? And realizing that, like, I needed to be able to do that. But like wanting so hard, you know, oh, wanting know. so hard to stay. But oh, also I like I had so outgrown that. Oh, I have been there very recently, very oh. recently. And I think one of the big things for me that I that I gleaned from having a conversation with another amazing human, thank God for community that gives us different perspectives and help us uh -huh. helps us grow and expand was thinking about how. Yeah, all of this sort of relating, being introspective about it and how we're showing up in the world is a value system. Not everyone has that value system. And in this existential void, I am not here to say that I am any better than anyone who doesn't enact this value system. We all get to choose how we want to show up in the world. But when it comes to close relationships in our lives, like 
it is important to have people who have a similar value system and can meet you in that. And I never really thought about this sort of orientation of relationship anarchy and being reflective about anarchy in general in terms of its applications across, you know, all of the domains of connection and existence. That's a value system mm -hmm. that I need someone to meet me in with. A lot of the media, you know, that's produced about relationships it's like mm -hmm. shared interests mm. right yeah but okay great i my foreign partner and i we had a lot of shared interests mm -hmm. but at some point in time our values diverged and that's when we were no longer compatible yeah right yeah. as i've spent you know more time thinking about relationships in the broader sense of the word. And I love the fact that you use the word relationships, not just to refer to romantic relationships. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but like all of the relationships that matter to me are with people for whom we share values. Mm -hmm. And like the relationships that I have that I, you know, continue to maintain, but that are you know, are losing significance to me. It's because I don't feel like our values align enough. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. And sometimes that, you know, one of those values is, um, you know, like the people around me actually like care about my well-being, mm -hmm. not just say they do, but actually are applying, are, are doing things, are living their values. Right. To show they care about my well-being. Yeah. Um, and and the well-being of other marginalized people. Right. Like, right. Not just doing what is easy and comfortable. Right. Right. I know. I want to ask, too, because as someone who's been in that space, especially recently, and the fear that comes with leaving those relationships where we are tolerated... Well, uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, someone listening to this, there might be someone that's in that same sort of space where they're like, I love this person, but I feel like I'm being tolerated with certain aspects of my identity and my value system. Is there anything that you would want to say to them or to your younger self in that situation? You know, if you could look back and speak to yourself. Not worth staying. Mm. The sunk cost fallacy is a fallacy for a reason. It's not worth staying in a place where you're only tolerated. And it like, and, and that that's like, yes, you know, that person could change and could grow to accept and respect and appreciate you. Mm -hmm. um, this is a thing that I got from the minimalist podcast. They have this scale, the scale of Tara. Um, mm -hmm. It's an acronym. Mm -hmm. um, and like at the bottom level, of their scale of respect is tolerance, right? Ah. Just tolerating. And then one step up is acceptance, right? Where you're like, okay, you're not, you're not tolerating more. You've accepted this, this thing or this person or this aspect of this person. And then there's respect is higher up than that. And then appreciating is like mm. the top of that scale. Like, and like, one of the examples that they would give is like, if there's this thing that your partner does or that your friend does or that your you know mom does, that it doesn't benefit you directly, maybe it even annoys you. But like, if you can appreciate how that makes this 
person a better person or like makes them who they are and who they are is someone that you love. Like mm. you can, you know, you can kind of see like how this makes them who they are and that you love that. So then you can actually appreciate this thing about them, right? Mm. But if a person is, you know, just fucking tolerating you and it's not changing and maybe try talking about it because sometimes people don't realize that what they think of the what they think of as ex expressions of love yeah. you know don't feel that way to you could be they're just you know it's yada yada love language right. thing sure. you know sometimes it's that um but sometimes it's you know they don't they don't really appreciate who you are and talk about it but if there is a fundamental difference there it's not worth trying to change mm -hmm. them yep. like they have to want to see that differently and if they don't then you're just hurting both of you in the process yeah like it's just it's a waste of time energy effort attention to stay in a situation where you are not appreciated mm -hmm. you know you're gonna get resentful mm -hmm. i got there mm -hmm. like yeah. yeah and it's so hard because we all need relationships. We all need connection. And in those moments to to step out of that connection can be so scary, especially if they're meeting your needs in a lot of other ways, you know, and it's maybe just this one piece, you know, that can be really hard to sit with and, and to step out of that connection to find, you know, another one where maybe you, where you are accepted for all that you are that can, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it to leave this when I have it right here? And I think the reality is that that relationship will affect you, affect your sense of self. Oh my God. That relationship. Well, if I know anything from psychology, it's that you can put boundaries, but when you're really in those close relationships and looking for connection and aspects of yourself are not accepted or tolerated, that will affect your sense of self. Okay. And that doesn't make you weak. That is part of what it means to be a social person, a social creature in relationship with other people. And we need good relationships to leave the bad. So I want to invite all of those people, you know, myself included, like those are the moments when you start leaning out on the other relationships, because it's not like you can just take this one out and be like, I'm going to be fine independently. It's like, no, no. we all need connection. So yeah. stepping out into connection with other people where you can be accepted for your full self and then eventually stepping out of those ones that maybe are not meeting you there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in many ways, my position has changed you know in very good ways yeah since I you know made that decision right. and I, you know I only wish it had happened sooner right you know because I don't like being resented no you don't deserve that no no that. no and a lot of the work that I've been doing you know since that breakup has been discovering all the ways that that relationship both helped and also eroded my sense of self-worth yeah Yep. And that's not, that doesn't make you weak. That's normal. That's going to happen to any human who's in that sort of relationship, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so holding that. Yeah. Well, also holding like, doesn't make, you know, that person a bad person. No. And good riddance, you know, like, but not like in a, in a resentful way, but just like, Different you know journeys. what? Fine. Different Fine. journeys. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and being glad that it's over, you know, glad that that's not a part of my life anymore. Glad that the people that I do spend my time with, I really actually feel cherished by, um, you know, as you were saying, like, like leaning out on those other relationships that you have to get those other needs met. Yeah, I totally did that. I had like, 
you know, three people that I immediately texted as I was sobbing on my kitchen floor, mm-hmm. like to start getting those needs met. Right. Awesome. And f- those needs for the connection and like, mm-hmm. you know, was immediately lining up like friends I was visiting just to go cuddle and mm-hmm. like, you know, learning how to exist out of that relationship. Right. So that has made me a lot more. I wish I had been more compassionate already, but it has made me more compassionate and understanding for folks who are, who have a harder time establishing new connections with people right. to be, and, and have a harder time establishing strong enough connections to be able to support them mm-hmm. about the leaving of those relationships where they're just tolerated. Someone who, you know, maybe raised kids and then now hasn't worked 20 years and they're trying to leave a marriage where, you know, like, how am I going to sustain myself outside of this? I mean, there's a lot of different factors, I think, that will keep people in certain relationships. And so having compassion for others, having compassion for ourselves as we navigate, you know, all these different variables that come into play when we're navigating this, it's, it's not an easy journey, but I think, you know, your experience through it is why you're able to share your story today like this and able to, you know, talk about the difficulties of it and, you know, all the wisdom that you gained through that experiences, you know, that's a lot Mm -hmm. of what you've shared today. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to share your wisdom here and with all the listeners. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't know that I could even quantify what I've gotten out of this conversation, (laughs) but I really appreciate the camaraderie that I'm feeling and yeah like you know as we're talking about community is a value that both of us really have I made the s'mores board because I believe really strongly in community like I started working on that because you know I didn't invent it I always want to make that clear I did not invent it you know I just started working on it and and kind of became the mouthpiece of a of a community that wanted to see it improved and and I and I do that work because I believe very strongly in that we help each other yeah. I'm glad that you found it. I'm glad yeah. that it's helping you. I'm glad that, you know, I, I hope good things happen, you know, for other people. I hope it helps other people really like figure themselves out, mm-hmm. figure their relationships out, figure out what is working and what's not working. And, and you know, then, you know, if, if they can make lives that work better for them, then maybe they can use that, you know, freed up energy you know, they were spending on relationships that weren't working. Oh, man. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they can use some of that freed up energy to continue to make the world a little bit better place. Oh, yeah. Someone who just stepped out of one. Man, that freed up energy is a very <laughs> valid, valid statement. I've been feeling it in the best way possible. But yeah, Good. thank you yeah. for the work that you're doing and how you're supporting the community. It's It's very valuable. As we come to the end of our time here, I like to hold a little bit of space. I have a closing question that I ask all of my guests, but if there's anything still lingering that you want to say too, I like to hold a little bit of space. Um, no, I think I'm good. I've, I'm, I've right. made good progress on my basket. I'm glad. I'm glad. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. It looks great. Yeah. Thanks. Well, then I'll ask the closing question that I ask everyone, which is, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? Oh. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love it. (laughs) I, you know, when I I was listening to one of the the other episodes and I was like, God damn, that's a good question. I should try to remember this so I can think (laughs) about it and have this prepped, the answer prepped. Nope, I forgot about it. I'm like, I knew that. Listen to your gut. Something's got to come um, up right there, and it's it's probably the right thing. 
something that I wish was more normal. I wish more people knew that who they are is beautiful and that they get to decide who they are and that they can continue to make who they are a beautiful art project. I'm going to continue on this tangent because it's it's one thing, but it's everything. Yeah. Like our art is everything. We are our own art project and we don't have to be separate from the other creative things that we make. Spirals are in fucking everything I make because everything is a spiral and ever and like I'm sewing things together, you know, and I make chain mail like and like as I'm making this, I'm like, oh, this is like when I've made chain mail. This is like when I've done pottery. This is like when I've done this, like as I'm getting older, so much more of what I'm doing creatively is intertwining and interconnecting not just in like the things that I'm creating physically, but is also re reflecting the work that I have done to love and appreciate myself, which still feels like a hard thing to say. Mm. Like I pause because it still sometimes feels like a hard thing to say mm. because of that process has continued to be work. Um, but I want for my past self and I want for other people to know that who they are is beautiful. Mm. And that they get to shape who that beautiful person is. Yes. If that could be the message that we share with the world, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah. One conversation at a time, right? One yeah. conversation, one relationship at a time, and, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Or, and or it will get there in the lives after us, right? By yeah. stepping on, you know, some of the work that we're doing here now, I think. The world yeah. going to go towards that direction. You know, I get, I'm getting chills right now. Mm -hmm. um, I really, I want that to be true. Yeah. More sometimes. space. Yeah. More sometimes space. more space. Sometimes hope is hard, yeah. but that's, that's what I want. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and being so vulnerable about your own relationships and the work that you're doing for the community. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Is there anywhere you'd want to plug to people to find your work, your new business? So um, I'm on Instagram at Max Hill Creates. Um, Max has two X's. And the, the website for my calendar business is gardeningbythemoon.com. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we sell calendars and cards and seed saving supplies. Just, you know giving people the tools that they need to make their lives better mm -hmm. relationship to the earth yeah yeah there it is yeah. Oh, yeah well thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being part of this uh social movement yeah. yeah 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 thank you thank you for also doing this it's it's good it's important it's brave it's a lot of work as someone who has learned how to edit podcasts and has not released them it's a lot of work to do and to do yourself and to do well and um i really appreciate your conversational style and your way of holding space for people thank you max i really appreciate that letting that one sit in yeah yeah thank take you. that one in take a few deep breaths with that one it's a long journey i plan to do it till my 80s man i'm gonna change throughout this whole process you know what i mean Good. like yeah if you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and head on over to modernanarchypodcast.com to get resources and learn more about all the things we talked about on today's episode. 
I want to thank you for tuning in and I will see you all next week.